0: Welcome to another podcast of Risen the Disciple-Making Fellowship. If you've watched any of the previous ones, you know that we are working through what I've called the Twelve. It's not about the Twelve Disciples or anything like that. It's a part of the Twelve that you probably wouldn't think of when you're thinking about the Bible. It's the Twelve Minor Prophets. Now, when I call them Minor Prophets, they're not minor in the sense that they are less important than uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, or Daniel. It's that their messages were just as important in God's program of prophecy. Bible students call them the Minor Prophets simply because of the brevity of their message and their ministries, although when you read the book of Zechariah it's by no means brief or simple to understand. And the Minor Prophets aren't just about the history that took place. It's not just for the people of the Old Testament. The Minor Prophets are for everyone, even us today, because they call each one of us to repentance of sin, for obedience to God's Word, and for the promise of the hope of the future. Now we've already studied Hosea the first of the Twelve, and his message grew out of a personal heartbreak of his own family. Joel, the second prophet that we looked at, his message grew out of a national calamity, uh, an invasion of locusts that came upon land. Joel saw the immediate judgment of God with those physical locusts that ate the crops and all the greenery of the earth. And he saw that as an illustration of the ultimate judgment that God was going to bring in the great day of the Lord. The third prophet was Amos, and he was a sheepherder from Judah, but God called him to go to the northern kingdom of Israel and to prophesy against them. Amos, um, after Amos, was Obadiah. And Obadiah uh, proclaimed two messages. His message was God's vengeance upon Edom, or Esau, and he also predicted God's victory for Jacob, or Judah. And of course, that was about the struggle between the two twins, Esau and Jacob, and how that continued all the way up till they became nations that were at odds with one another. That brings us to the fifth of the 12th Minor Prophets, and that's Jonah. Now, if you want to hear this story artfully uh, recounted, I would challenge you and, and invite you to listen to Ulrich Peterson's Family Time video the story of jonah and it can be found right here at risen.church or on risen disciple making fellowships uh, facebook page and of course the story of jonah ranks as one of the most known stories of the bible right out there with the prodigal son and with the good samaritan and what i would like to say at the very outset is that jonah is not a myth it's not a fable but jonah is an actual person in history and it's verified in second kings chapter 14 verse 25 when Jonah's message was that the king of Israel, Jeroboam II, was going to be able to expand his kingdom. And of course, that made Jonah a very popular preacher. But when God calls him to preach to the city of Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, then the prophet rebelled. History records for us that the Assyrians was very cruel and heartless people who thought nothing of burying their enemies alive or skinning them while they're alive or even impaling them on poles and left exposed in the hot sun to die. Jonah would have enjoyed seeing God's wrath poured out on the city of Nineveh and the people that lived there, and he would rather disobey God's call than to see his enemies be able to escape or be saved from judgment. Jonah suspected that if he went and preached to the Ninevites and they heard the message that they might repent, and if they did, then God would surely extend His mercy upon them. So he declines the assignment, and he heads in the opposite direction from Nineveh, which is to the east, and he went west to Tarsus. And once God had dampened his spirits by tossing him into the boat, uh, tossing him out of the boat and into the water, and then God demonstrated His protection for the prophet by moving him out of the water into the belly of the fish. And after he was released from the fish, Jonah decides that God is serious about His command to go to Nineveh. They must hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, Jonah goes. And as Jonah thought, when the Ninevites heard the word of God, they repented, and the prophet became angry, disgusted, and discouraged. And he had to learn firsthand about God's compassion for sinful human beings. So let's break down each of the four chapters of this amazing story. Chapter one begins with the resignation. And this is the lesson in God's patience. While Jonah decided to go in the opposite direction of Nineveh to Tarshish, it was like he was resigning his prophetic office and thus he became a backslidden prophet. Now the causes of of his backsliding were many. He had the wrong attitude about God's will. He thought he could turn it on And turn it off as he pleased. He didn't realize that he was witnessing for the Lord no matter where he was. And he also had a wrong attitude about his enemies. He wanted them to perish. But God wants everyone to be able to be saved. So that's the causes of his backsliding. And there are many. Now the course of his backsliding was downward. Four times in the first uh, part of the uh, first chapter and part of the second chapter, we see where Jonah went down. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the sea. And he went down into the great fish. So the course of his backsliding was downward. And the consequences of his backsliding were tragic. He would lost the ability to be able to hear God's voice and now God was going to have to speak to him through a storm. He'd lost his spiritual energy. And while the ship was in disarray, And close to losing their lives, he went down into the belly of the uh, ship and went fast asleep. And because of that, he lost his desire to pray. The heathen were up there praying that some god would intervene and spare them all the time the prophet Jonah was sleeping. He lost his testimony to the men who were on the ship, and he also lost his influence for good because they realized that he was the very cause of the storm. And he and all the others almost lost their life, but this shows how patient and long-suffering our Lord really is. So the first chapter is all about that resignation, the lesson of God's patience. The second chapter centers around repentance, and it's the lesson of God's pardon. There are several ways to be able to respond to God's chastening. We can despise it like Jonah did for three days, and we can refuse to confess our sin. We can faint or give up. Or we can endure the chastening from God's hand. We can confess our sin and we can trust Him to work everything for His glory and for our good. To rebel against God is just asking for trouble. Finally, Jonah came to his senses and he submitted and he prayed and trusted and God forgave him. That's the second chapter. The third chapter is about revival. And this is a lesson of God's power. Jonah shows us what the Lord can do with a frail human being who's willing to proclaim God's message. And this is a New Testament teaching as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17-21. through 21, Paul teaches us that we in Christ are new creations. And that has come by the powerful hand of God who allowed His Son, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And with that, He has given us a ministry of reconciliation, which is our Nineveh, wherever that is. And that may be to the people we consider our enemies. He not only has given us a message, a ministry of reconciliation, but He's also given us the message of reconciliation. And our sin made us enemies with God, deserving death. But Christ defeated sin on the cross, and then He defeated the grave and death when God raised Him on the third day, and He came out from that tomb to never die again. That's our message of reconciliation. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the message that can bring life to those who are dead in their trespasses. And that brings us to the final and fourth short chapter of this amazing story, and it's about rebellion. And it's about the lesson of God's pity. Now, the key lesson of this story, of this book, is God's love and pity for lost souls. And, you know, after this great revival broke out in the wicked city of Nineveh, you would think you would have seen a rejoicing preacher, one who was continually staying there and teaching his new converts about God and how to obey and follow Him. But what we find is something very different than a rejoicing preacher. We find a very rebellious preacher one who is who becomes angry both at god and the people that he spoke to here we find the prophet acting like a spoiled rotten little child he was a believer acting like an unbeliever and god sent a great awakening under the preacher of a man who didn't even love the souls of the people that he was speaking to jonah only felt sorry for himself he had no heartfelt love or pity for the multitudes of Nineveh that were facing eternal judgment. And so it's a lesson for us to realize it's possible for us to engage ourselves to serve the Lord in some way without loving the people. And I think one of the things to do here is to notice how different Jonah is from Jesus Christ himself. When Jesus looked upon a city, he wept over their condition when he saw the lostness of the people in that city. And Jesus, as He was ministering with His disciples, He demonstrated power over the wind and waves. He had power over fish. He had power over all of the elements. But He would not control Jonah without the prophet's surrender. Everything. It's amazing that everything in nature obeys God's Word except for human beings. And humans have the greatest reason of all to obey God. And God did spare the city of Nineveh for a hundred plus years after the ministry of Jonah. And Jonah is also a type of Jesus Christ. Jesus even refers to uh, the sign of Jonah in Mark chapter 12, verses 39 through 41. He talks about how uh, Jonah being swallowed up in the sea by the fish. He talks about that as an illustration, a sign of His death, burial, and resurrection. But Christ is greater Than Jonah in his person because he's not a prophet. He is the very son of God. And he's greater than Jonah in his outreach. He didn't go to just one city. Christ's ministry extended to the whole world. And his sacrifice, he just didn't spend three days in the storm. He literally died on the cross to save others. And his love was demonstrated for all those who do not even Deserve it. But some people also see Jonah not only as a picture of Christ, but they also see Jonah as a picture of the Jewish nation, a people who were disobedient and cast out of their dry land and swallowed up by the sea of the Gentiles, preserved in spite of the opposition that they raised and brought back again and given another chance. Now, I've also discovered another way of looking at Jonah, at the book. And it can be divided into seven episodes. And it's interesting that the first three and the second three have a number of comparisons and contrasts that parallel one another. The first episode is Jonah and his commissioning and his flight away from that commissioning. And the question would be, what's going to happen to Jonah? And then we see Jonah and the pagan sailors. And the question is, how responsive uh, will the pagan sailors be? And then the third episode is Jonah's grateful prayer after God rescues him. How does Jonah respond to God's grace toward himself? Now, the second set of three parallel each one of those first three. The fourth episode is Jonah's recommissioning and his compliance this time, not his flight. And the question is, what will happen to the Ninevites? Uh, Then we see uh, the fifth episode parallels the second. And instead of Jonah and the pagan sailors, we see Jonah and the pagan Ninevites. How responsive will the Ninevites, the pagan Ninevites be? And then the sixth episode, instead of uh, the third one being Jonah's grateful prayer about his response to God's grace to himself, it's Jonah's angry prayer. And how does Jonah respond to God's grace toward others? And then the final episode stands alone as the climax of the story, ending with God's penetrating question. And let me read those last words. And this is God speaking to the prophet. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? Now, I can remember as beginning to study through Jonah for many years and thinking, what a strange way to conclude this wonderful story. But maybe not. Instead of wanting to know, because I think the first time I read this, I was like, I wonder what Jonah said. But instead of wanting to know how Jonah responded to this question, it may just be that God is asking you, where do you stand? concerning your enemies. And that's the story as we take a look at the book of Jonah. And now to close uh, our podcast, for a blessing for you, I would like for you to listen to a song by a friend of mine named Wayne Kerr. And just a little brief excerpt of this song, a little clip of it. And it's called My Prayer for You. And this is my prayer for you that God will bless you with these words in your life. Step to the ocean at least twice a year Let the love of a child whisper into your ear Let God be the center of everything you might do This is my prayer, this is my prayer for you Cause you can have joy like you've never known peace And a happy home time This is my prayer my prayer for you this is my prayer this is my prayer for you this is my prayer this is my prayer